Hey everybody, welcome to the Death to Vanilla podcast. I am so excited to bring uh, a, a good friend and uh, a marketer, Steve. Uh, he has, well, I'll let him toot his own horn a little bit, but he has had his own marketing agency uh, and he's been running marketing for a company for a long time, uh, a couple years now, right? And so, uh, and they have really kind of like a more traditional way of getting clients, which I think is interesting because we talk about digital marketing and it's kind of the shiny red ball. Um, but actually, I don't think you guys do any digital marketing at all for the most part, at least not in the ways that I typically think of. And so uh, that'll be cool for us to dive into. So if you could uh, give us a little deeper dive into your experience with marketing and uh, where that's gotten you to today. Sure, sure. So nice to meet you all. Uh, Steve Bailey. So I have been in marketing for uh, probably almost 15 years now. Um, kind of done everything, right? I've done uh, right out of right out of college, started doing a lot of B2C marketing um, at some really large B2C companies. Um, got into running an agency for five years, um, worked with a lot of B2C, a lot of B2B, a lot of you know, startups, a lot of uh, just a lot of companies that, that that needed help with branding, with digital marketing, with you know marketing strategy, whatever whatever the case is. Um, and for the last two years, I've actually been working. I went back into the corporate world, and I've been working with a small tech company that has a very very narrow focus and a very very narrow uh, niche, which is um, state agencies that serve new um, school nutrition meals. So, um, you know, we we go back and forth a lot of times with their strategy like what do we need to do how do we need to do it um, but what we continue to find is some of these old school marketing tactics um, actually tend to work a little bit better in our industry um, so i think that's kind of what we'll talk about today and kind of like give you the other side if you will of, of how to um, look at marketing and, and and move things forward sweet so i think I think for me, the interesting part is because of the fact that you've had, well, let me just ask this. Was it weird to transition from having your own agency to working for the corporate comp company? And I don't mean just like, as far as like lifestyle difference, what I mean is like, you must have been doing Facebook ads and all these other things. And now you're looking at uh, doing conferences, right? And ooh, wow, you know what I mean? But it, but actually working. So was that like a difficult transition for you to go to more traditional or did you actually do a lot of traditional during the time that you had your own agency? So um, when I owned my agency, we, we looked at, um, we, we tried to coin a term called holistic marketing, right? Holistic marketing was looking at everything, right? So basically what we did is we were your outsourced marketing agency. We did, we helped with events. We wouldn't go to events, but we would help with your events. We would build your um, booths if you needed to. But then what we would try to do is help you connect the dots, right? Connect the dots from because a lot of companies, what they do is they have like an event strategy. The event strategy is we go to all these events and then we just say, see you later. We were there. We did our thing. We did our sales. Um, but how do we connect the dots from in-person um, old school marketing into the digital realm? Right. So how do you use Facebook ads from like a retargeting perspective? How do you lower um, your, your cost of acquisition? How do you do a lot of those different types of things? But putting together a, a marketing strategy that one has a, a, has a solid message Two, you can repurpose a lot of the content, a lot of the, the strategies, a lot of the things that you, you've already put in place. Um, Cause that was another thing that we, we worked with a lot with, with a lot of our clients was 
It was like every week, new campaign, every week, new, 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 new blog posts, every week, something. And they're just churning and churning and churning and churning and not seeing the results because they're not putting it together. Um, so that's a lot of what we, we did. Uh, so moving into back to the corporate world, um, one of the reasons why I did it was because of like just burnout, right? Sometimes you, you have 40, you know, 40 clients, we're up to 40 clients at one point and kind of just like, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot moving. There's a lot um, of churn um, just, just, just going. So there's a little bit more stability, right? I have four kids. So you try to get to stability, help coach the, coach the teams and stuff and whatnot. So, um, you know, it was a good transition into the, the company that, that I work for now because they didn't have any marketing beforehand. They, they're a 25 year old company with zero marketing. Um, and, basically they just kind of relied on um, RFPs and, and, and other types of, of, you know, sales channels, but by putting in a marketing channel and, and putting in some branding and some messaging and some other things, um, it really helped kind of build out a, a pipeline, right? Being able to say, hey, here are some of the enhancements that we have instead of kind of taking orders, kind of pushing orders, if you will. So um, it was a really good transition for me and it was a really good thing uh, to be able to kind of like be pull that whole holistic piece together because even when we first started it was hey we need to do facebook ads we need to go straight to digital we need to start really really kind of focusing in on how do we get more more agencies in um and or more state agencies to, to, to buy our products how do we get more school districts to buy our products those types of things. And um, what we found was it, it, it works, right? It does work, but there's other things that you have to put in place in order to really make your entire marketing system kind of work together. Right. So. That, that to me is always the funny part. Like uh, you, you get a new platform and it's like, okay, like, you know, to say for example, like TikTok's the next big thing. It's like, okay, so you build a big audience. Okay. What's next? Yep. Like, what are you planning on doing with that audience? Oh, you have a million subscribers on YouTube? Awesome. Where do they go next? How yep. do they give you money? Uh, how do you funnel that into all the other platforms where you could divert some of that attention flow into uh, that maybe are more profitable or have less friction between you and what you're selling? Uh, once you silo it, it kind of defeats the whole purpose. You spend all this big money, and then it's like, okay, but what next? So it's... Uh, it's funny how sometimes how, how many people don't really have a plan of what they want to do with it. It's like they know they want to build an audience and they know they want to sell something to that audience, but they're not really sure how to connect. You know, when I get someone's email, how do I get them to buy? And there's no plan. Yep. You know, obviously, like logically, you can put it together pretty easily. Like, oh, like I just need to like email them a link to buying stuff. But like there's nurturing and all these other things that have to happen. And like conceptually, it's simple, uh, but people usually don't have a plan on how that actually is going to happen in real time no and it's really hard to connect the dots a lot of times too like you'll see in corporations um you know they'll come in and so previous previous life you know right out of college um i used to run email marketing right for for a re relatively large fortune 500 retailer um and and basically what we did was like hey you have to send an email out or two or three every day with a promo and it's like okay well there's a whole lot more that goes into a purchase, right? Just because I send you an email doesn't mean you're going to, to buy something. But the thought process was kind of like, hey, if we send out a billion emails a year, somebody's going to buy something, you know, but it's, it's kind of, and it's true, they will, right? You'll get 1% of your, your 
audience to buy something, but it's kind of pulling that together and starting to look at like buying cycles, right? So if you have like replenishment of, of something, if you know like, hey, typically it takes Steve 30 days to go through this product, well, maybe at 28 days post-purchase, that's when you start kind of putting this messaging out there. That's when you start maybe, and, and you don't even necessarily have to give them a coupon sometimes at that point versus in the, in the past is like, well, we'll just give you $5 off. Come in and buy it. We'll give you $5 off. And it's like, okay, well, I don't need this. So $5 off means nothing to me. But if you, if you time it correctly and you put that whole strategy together and you start kind of connecting the dots, um, it, it, you know, it, it just works better. It's like trying to trying to give someone a meal who's full. It's like yeah. they don't care how good the steak is if uh, they ain't hungry. But yeah, you're right. And what you're talking about is just like that huge amount of intentionality, like for a company to know when you're going to go through their product and then have a plan of when you're actually going to send that email is a level of intention that most people will honestly just never achieve. It's that's a lot of thinking through. But at the same time, I mean, it's got to be a lot cheaper to figure that out than try to acquire new customers all the freaking time. Much easier. Right. And then what you end up doing, is you do the add-ons, right? So it's like, Oh, we know you're buying this shaving cream every 30 days because that's just what you go through. Um, and that that's your life cycle, but then you can put in the razors. You can put in the aftershave, you can put in some other things and that's how you expand your market. Cause you know, you know, you're going to eventually continue to get that repeat customer. Uh, but you send them at the right time and then it's like, oh, I'll, I'll add that to my cart. Okay, cool. You know, and you, you roll out with an extra 15 bucks, right? So that's, um, so thinking it through, not just the, the cycle, but then also the, what else could they possibly need? What else can we introduce them to? And but, and then you have a captive audience, right? The captive audience um, buys a whole lot better than a non-captive audience. So um, just, just kind of, you know, makes sense. Absolutely. Um, so needless to say, I was shocked when I found out how successful some of the things that you guys do, um, are financially. Um, and certainly we don't need to talk like numbers specifically, but, um, conferences are huge. Events are huge. Um, and, uh, I guess I, to me, the, the dots that I'm trying to connect between what you were doing before and what you're doing now is what you were doing for the food service programs. You probably knew the names of the people you had to reach and there probably wasn't that many of them as opposed to someone who's well you know it would make a lot more sense for someone running a facebook campaign especially for a b2c if they have no idea like who they're gonna call you yeah. know what i mean like if you're trying to sell things to like you know a hundred thousand people in you know phoenix or la or new york or whatever else like you don't know their names you can't give them a call but you can totally find right, then information for the people that you guys were trying to contact. So I guess that's a pretty big game changer difference that depending on the business you have would radically change that because you had probably what, like a couple hundred maybe people that you oh, can reach out to? Yeah, yeah, total. We probably have about 250. So yeah. um, so it, it's a really good point that you bring up because one of the things that when I first started um, in my new role, it was a... Um, you know, I kind of said like, we were like, okay, we're going to go and we're going to do the traditional marketing stuff or not the non-traditional, I guess the digital marketing stuff. We're going to go down these new paths and we're going to get the, the CRM. We're going to get the, um, the, the lead nurturing emails, the drip campaigns. We're going to start doing some Facebook advertising. We're going to start doing all, all the things that, you know, 
um, all of the companies that want to sell you their CRM um, tell you to do. Um, so we started kind of going down that path and we really started looking at, okay, well, what's, what's driving sales, right? So we started looking back and we started saying, okay, well, when we get in front of our customers, that's what drives sales. Um, so how, how do we, how do we do that? Right? So we have a, um, you know, in, in the industry, a lot of times you'll, you'll talk about white space, right? The white space is kind of the gap between, um, what your customer has and what it would be if they had the full platform, if you will. Right. So every one of our customers had this white space, they have this gap. Um, so it's a whole lot easier to your point, right? It's a whole lot easier to call them pick up the phone and say, Hey, did you know we have this enhancement? Did you know we have this add on whatever, you know, whatever the case is. And so what we really started looking at is, um, how do we get all of our customers, right? To your point, we, we only have 150 that would actually be making decisions, 200, 250 that we'd actually talk to. Um, so it's really easy to get them into, a, um, a place, right, and have a user conference, right? So that was one of the biggest things that we did and one of the most successful marketing tactics that we did. Um, you know, pre-COVID, we, we brought everybody in and we had conversations. We had our salespeople. We showed them new things. We had our customers do some of the selling for us um, and it's super, super successful. And so then we kind of roll into the next year and we start looking at, um, okay, we got we got to repeat. And we started planning, we started going, and then, uh, you know, everything happens, right? Everything kind of shuts down. There's no travel. There's you know, nobody's coming. Uh, we're, we're local in Phoenix. Nobody's coming to Phoenix. Um, so we have to kind of look at things differently. And that's kind of where we started really looking at how do we, how do we change our tactic and how do we change something and, and how do we get away from kind of just the um, the vanilla um, um, aspect of like webinars, right? So we can go and we can do a bunch of webinars. We can show our customers what we're doing and, and have all these different things. So we, we wanted to not go down that path. We wanted to kind of look at something different and and kind of, you know, make it worth their time. So um, if you want me to, I can kind of go into where we went. Um, and before you do that, what I'd love what I love to hear is the meshing of the digital with the traditional marketing that you guys did. So Meaning, did you guys find, did you guys use digital marketing to get better attendance for your events or was there just more advanced follow up after these events or a little bit of both? Like, how did you guys combine those things together? Because obviously you guys weren't driving revenue from digital marketing. Like there's some companies that can literally like you're like, you know, big, uh, big reveal. You have a Hawaiian t-shirt company, right? You can literally run an ad and make money immediately. Like yeah. that second with that ad, uh, obviously you guys weren't doing that. So how were you guys working those things together? Yeah. So a lot of it was the follow-up, right? So the, a lot of it was, it was pulling in the automated emails, um, pulling in some of the stuff after, after the event, right? We, again, we can go out and we could, um, through our sales team, we could get any of our customers to show up to anything, right? So they'd come through, but then it was kind of that nurturing process afterwards, because it's not like especially with, with the way that we sell. It's not like you just go and you say, hey, I'm selling a t-shirt. It's going to cost you 15 bucks and then you buy it, right? We're, we're talking a couple hundred thousand dollars. We're talking, you know, tens to, you know, hundred thousand to a million dollars of purchase. So you have to go get the money. You have to go in and find the funds. So it, it's one of those things where it comes through and it's that nurture, like, okay, you saw this. Let's not forget about it, right? So here's some other, um, 
So like some of the email content that we put together was, you know, case studies, how the case study, um, how another customer, this saved them time, money, you know, whatever, whatever the, what we wanted to do. Um, explainer videos on how this works with their system, how this can make your staff more efficient, whatever the case is, right? Um, so you put that, that nurturing piece afterwards, just to kind of keep top of mind. Um, and that's kind of how we, we, we took this like in-person event um we, we wouldn't do any like facebook ads or anything like that because right it, it, it's kind of a waste of money at that point but we would put those those nurturing campaigns in place and continue to kind of push people down the road to to purchase right so so tactically it was mostly just i say just it was mostly email marketing and uh -huh. it was okay so just yeah. like yeah more tactical so just so give me okay so you you said you did uh, the explainer videos. And so, yeah, so it's just the idea of just, like you said, keeping, keeping them top of mind, making sure they didn't forget about you guys. And that's just because there was uh, a sales cycle long enough that between like them finding out about you and then getting the funding for that. Is that the reason? Yeah. So basically okay. we have like a six, six month, um, purchase cycle. Okay. So by the time, a lot of times, by the time we would show it, by the time it actually gets funded, sometimes they forget about it. So it's kind of just making sure like, hey, this is why this is so important, sending them you know, the, the right amount of content um, and making sure that we have it ready to go at all times. Well, and I think that's like for even for all kinds of marketing, really, you know, you spend all this money to get yourself in front of someone and maybe you get like a little bit of a nibble. But the reality is, is like it's like what we were talking about earlier. You can't feed someone who's full. Right. And so this idea of like you send an ad or you run an email campaign or do these other things it's not necessarily a no, maybe it's just like a not right now thing. Like if you're a realtor trying to sell your services, that only works if you're trying to buy a house or sell one. And so okay. the point is, is like, how do you stay on top of, you know, how do you keep top of mind between now and when that's actually going to happen? And that's no different than anything else. You know what I mean? Like um, even for Hawaiian t-shirts, you know what I mean? Like Unless someone thinks they really need a t-shirt or they just like having another Hawaiian t-shirt, like they're not going to buy until they feel like they need one. Um, so you know, the, the biggest thing, so side hustle, right? Side hustles. I do yeah. have a company called Hawaiian Island Clothing. We we sell t-shirts. We sell, um, you know, Hawaiian based kind of designs. We, we don't, I don't see a whole lot of revenue from Facebook ads, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we run, um, I constantly run Facebook ads. And what I'm really trying to do with it is I'm trying to get that email. Right. I'm trying to right. establish somebody that I can I can continue to have a conversation with. Um, but what I do see is the after, right? So it's that follow-up, right? We we get people into our funnel. It's the newsletter, you know, the, the monthly kind of update. Here's the new designs, here's this, here's this, here's this. Um, from the actual Facebook ad, we see, you know, we break even. I break even on it, so I'll keep running them all day. Um, but it's getting those leads afterwards. And so if you look at like lifetime value, this is something that I feel um a lot of companies don't look at because and and to be completely honest with you um, a lot of like startups and stuff that i used to work with in my in my past with an agency they didn't have the opportunity or the time frame to look at lifetime value but if you look at lifetime value um what we see is um we have a at, for, for for the t-shirts is our lifetime value right now and we've been running about a year so if we say about a year each of our customers buys three to four times Right. So it's it's that initial, you know, post that initial um, Facebook ad that we run to get them into our our kind of 
nurturing system. That's where we make our money. That's where we get a return on investment. That's how we increase our return on advertising spend, right? Is, is that long-term, is that long tail marketing piece that we put together. Um, because again, we, we, we break even on Facebook ads, but we, uh, we make the money on the back end. Mm. So the bigger the list, I mean, they, they say it all the time, right? The bigger the list, the, the more, the more revenue you get. But again, it's one of those things that we send out and we get like a 10% um, bite rate. When we send an email out, we get 10% of the people probably buy something. We're not, um, you know, it's not a 50, 70, we send something out, we make a, a million dollars. It's a, it's a long-term goal to kind of continue to, to build that lifetime value, build, right. build a brand that people trust, build a, a brand that people want to be part of. Well, and you could make a million dollars. You would just have to figure out how many subscribers you'd have with the ten percent engagement rate. You know what I mean, or or you yep. know, or whatever percentage of that ten percent, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just so over time. Yeah, if you if, yep. like you said, if you're breaking even, then you know it's just it's just a numbers game. It's just a matter of time. Just scale. Um, yeah, and the life. Uh, I love the idea of thinking about it as a life term value rather than right now value, just because of the fact that I do feel like a lot of people are using digital marketing is like a quick fix for a revenue problem, which sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. But I remember even back to my grocery days when, you know, we'd have little huddles and talk about how important it was to keep customers coming through the door. And it was like, I think the lifetime value of a customer for a grocery store is like, it's like half a million dollars or something like, or a or hundred, whatever, it was a lot of money. Yep. And so yep. the idea of like, if someone comes in and they get pissed off because you screwed up uh, you know, some $5 purchase, actually a hundred thousand dollars walked out of the door, not five. And yep. so, you know, if you want to give them a, a free jar of something or a, a fresh, a, you know, bushel of lettuce or whatever, like it's a hundred percent worth it. Cause there's not a chance we can give away more than we would lose if they were unhappy. And so going back to like, like your email nurturing thing, it's just like, yeah, it's, it's effort. But at the end of the day, people buy five shirts <laughs> you know, spending a couple of bucks on a Facebook ad is worth it or whatever it ends up working out to be with the, the yep. emails. I mean, we, we, I've always looked at it like if I can break even on my advertising spend, you know, um, right up front, you know, I'm not losing anything. It, it's a win for me because it's going to be, you know, a, a year down the road. That's when I'm going to start actually seeing things come through. I mean, you're talking a t-shirt, right? A t-shirt, you know, sale, um, you know, your profit, the margin on it, it's not huge. Um, so it, it's repeat buyers. That's the only way you're going to continue right. to make money and continue to kind of push things forward. So true that. So let, let's go ahead and uh, transition then to what you were talking about with, um, kind of like the new direction you see events being able to go. Mm-hmm. Obviously it's, it's so easy to talk about how terrible things were the last year, but not everyone has a lot of answers about what's next. And so I, I'd love to hear your thoughts about what you feel, events can be because there's a lot more than just the company you're working for that are affected by this tremendously. Some are events only <laughs> like yep. they don't have yep. an event. They got nothing to sell. Uh, so I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on like where this looks like this is going. Yeah. So, um, so I, I feel, so I, I'm involved in a lot of events still, right. Um, through associations, through, uh, you know, vendors, through whatever, right. There, there's, I mean, last week um, I was involved in two events. And then they're all virtual, nothing's in person. Um, everybody's, oh, we're getting together, we're getting together, it's gonna happen. And then, you know, last minute we kind of shift um, just based off of times. Um, in-person events will will come back, I believe. 
um, in-person events will always be something that um, is there. There's a lot of money in in in-person events, mm -hmm. um, but I don't think that um, in-person events are something that you're going to want to hang your hat on, right? As the as a marketing tactic, I think what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to definitely build an experience around a virtual and maybe a hybrid hybrid approach, right? So one of the things that we've been really trying to focus in on for our events is not just saying, "Hey, we have another Zoom webinar." Oh, we have another um, you know place to come and see our, our new products because that's kind of being overdone and I, I think what happened when when pandemic um, hit is everybody went to something that they knew everybody went to well we have a webinar strategy let's just scale it up um, I don't know if that's the the right approach um, so kind of going back to to what we do right so it's I, I've sat through a lot of these virtual conferences. Um, I've been bored in a lot of virtual conferences. A lot of times what we end up happening is, is we are even seeing some of these like, like platforms being built around how to have a in-person event that is going to be, or a virtual event that's as close to an in-person event as possible. Because now you can go to a table and you can sit there and you can talk to people. But then what, what, what we see is nobody goes, right? So that big breakout exhibit hall, experience nobody goes to it virtually just because it's tough well and because it's no different than what they did at work all day that's right you know what i mean if 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 an in-person event was just going and sitting around a conference table no one would do that either because it's like i literally do this all day at work so now you're at work all day doing zoom or teams or whatever program you use and then you get back onto zoom later for a cool event that you spent a thousand dollars on i don't think so that's yep. not worth it no and what you end up seeing is you have these sales reps um, kind of just sitting there in their in their you know in their room doing nothing, right? So from a marketing perspective, we set this up, we spend a bunch of money, and we send people out. We you know it, it's not just necessarily the time and the cost, right? Because like if it's a thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars, it's probably worth it just for the exposure. So we we can justify it. But it's it's having those three sales reps sit there on a Zoom call for three days, not making phone calls, not following up with leads, not doing anything that's costing us money, mm -hmm. right? So it's kind of like they're just sitting there waiting. Like I'm getting ready to do one next week, and it's it's interesting. I'll, well, maybe we'll have to come back and, and and chat about it at some point. But it's this this event. You come in and then you knock on the door basically, and you go into your Zoom. So we'll see how it works because they're forcing people to kind of go into this like this 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 area um, with other things. But we'll see, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. But the Are biggest thing is in person, but on Zoom. Yeah, and that's how they're trying to do it. It's like this platform um, that basically I think it's built on top of Zoom. And what they do is you have a table, you go into this like interactive map. And this interactive map has all the logos of all the people that are participating within the, the, the exhibit hall, right? Mm. And so as a participant of this conference, you go in and you say, oh, I want to go to uh, this one, this one. You click it and then it knocks on the door. And then as a salesperson, you you let them in and you have your conversation, you do your demos, you have your whatever, whatever you want to do. Um, I'm, I'm really interested to see what the engagement is with it because again, it's going to be one of those things that like when I go to an in-person event and I'm kind of forced to go up and down those aisles and you have the salesperson that's like able to engage with you, it's, it's much better because you can pull them in and say, Hey, we have this tchotchke, we have this, this something, would you, would you like to learn more? You can have those conversations and this is like, Hmm, do I want to click here? Nah, I'm going to go, I'm going to log out. 
right? So I'm, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But what I, I think is really going to be the future of events and kind of where things end up going is, is how do you build the environments? How do you build something that, that one, um, builds um, excitement, right? So the one thing that I know, all these virtual events that, that we go to, there's no excitement around this. Like, I'm going to send you 5,000 emails to get you to sign up. Then I'm going to send you 5,000 more to make sure that you get your, you log in. And then what ends up happening? I go to your webinar and I'm like this the whole time. I'm on the other screen, not listening to what's going on. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really multitasking. I'm not engaged with the content that, that, that we're looking at. And, um, it's just kind of all for nothing. So how do you how do you build that engagement? How do you pre uh, pre event? How do you start um, getting things in place? So one of the things that we're working on is for our events is where we're sending out um, like care packages, right? Mm -hmm. So this care package is something that um, it's a box that we have some like coffee, a T-shirt. Um, our sales material, everything's in there. And when you register for the event, we send it out a week beforehand, right? So now you get something, you get something tangible in your hands. Uh, you put the t-shirt on because you're like, oh, now I'm excited. I'm going to be in, be involved. It's branded. Everybody that you see is wearing the same t-shirt. You know, it has some, some cool motivational saying on the back, back of it. And then we push them into our, our events and we push them into our, our speaking things um, and our demos and all those other things. But we continue to kind of go back to this piece and say, hey, there, there's a piece of paper in there, something that you can actually hold with notes, right? So we make sure that they have the notes in place. Um, and then afterwards, so you go through, you do your event and you have them taking their notes. And what we're doing afterwards is we're having them, if they want to win the raffle, if they want to win the, the big prize, right? Just like in a normal, a normal event, um, you would put your, your, your business card in the punch bowl, right? And then at the end of it, you, you pick one or two or who, whatever, and you give out the free iPad, right? So we're kind of doing that same thing, but instead of putting the, the, the card in the punch bowl, because we already have your card from your email address, we're saying, send us a copy of your notes. Send us a copy of kind of what you engaged with. That's how we're going to, to do our raffle. And so that way it kind of forces them to be engaged here versus second screen, taking their notes if they want to win that iPad or, or whatever the giveaway is, right? right. So. It, it's building that experience differently. It's kind of going out of, because again, to, you know, the, the entire premise of, of your, your podcast here is to do something different, right? And everybody's just doing the same old Zoom call, the same old go to webinar, the same old, you know, whatever the case is. I mean, I've, I've gotten so many that you could tell they're recorded, right? Yeah. You, you log in and it's like so polished. They're like, yeah, they recorded and edited this beforehand. And they don't even have the time to or want to do this thing live and mess up in front of me because now we're vulnerable. Um, so we kind of got to this like rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat automation piece. So what do we do? We, we, we tune it out and we do other things. So I, I really challenge every, everybody that we kind of talk to and even some of my other friends and things that are in marketing. This, these are the things that we've been talking about um, is how do, we, how do we do things different? How do we do things that are a little bit um, they're unique, right? We have to, we have to get back to creativity as marketers, right? So, um, I think one of the things that we really like focus in on is we have a playbook, 
right? Marketing usually has a playbook. It's, it's landing, it's Facebook ad, Google ad, entry into funnel, landing page, automation sequence, right? That's, that's our playbook. That's, you know, very, very generic, but you, you, yes. you get the idea. It's, it's pulling back and saying, okay, this is how marketing is done. This is what mar the marketing team actually needs to do in order to generate revenue and, and generate leads is do something different, do something that's bold, do something that's, um, hasn't been seen before because that's how you get the attention of, of and, and, and you look better than your, your competition. Because if your competition is just throwing out webinar after webinar after webinar, what happens? You don't show up. If I send you something and I say, hey, let's, let's have this conversation. Let's, let's build this, this, this event um, and you know you're going to get value from it. It's going to be a whole lot better. It's going to be a whole lot. It's going to be different. At least you're going to get the attention of it. It's going to be different. So. Well, and I think the, th the thing that I love about that is if you go to an event, the, there's still the, you, you still get like a swag bag, right? Yep. So there's still yep. the expense. And so you, obviously you're adding the expense of shipping and some of the packaging and stuff like that. Yep. But like, you're, you're going to be making those kinds of things anyways. You're going to be making the t-shirts, making the pamphlets, uh, you know, having, you know, sponsored content in there, depending on the event. Um, and so... I mean, and that's kind of the fun stuff. You you know, you get your little bag and you check out, see yep. if there's anything cool in there, eat a couple pieces of candy, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, that's like an essential part of having an in-person conference or event or whatever you have. And so to be able to send that people, I think is super awesome because like you said, it, to be honest, it, it really harkens to what it's like to be in an event. And at the same time too, like you said, it gives people a sense of unity and community and the fact that they're, like you said, they're all wearing the same t-shirts or goofy glasses or a, a hideous visor of some sort. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, and, and that, that stuff's just kind of fun. You know what I mean? Give people a little opportunity to express themselves a little bit. And for the extroverts that are going to go to an event anyways, you know, that's, they're going to peacock a little anyways. And so <laughs> might as well give something to work with a little bit. Well, and, and I think a lot of it too, right, is, is that's why people go to events, right? They go for the experience. Yeah. And then yeah. you get the sales and you get everything else afterwards. Um, but it's kind of like a badge of honor sometimes like, oh, man, I went to these events. So just kind of like side conversation here. Um, we, we have a lot of our, our customers um, that they, they keep, you know, how you get like the little badge when you show up to an in-person event and mm -hmm. you know, there's the lanyard, whatever the case is. One of, yeah. one of our customers sent me one and she's been going for like 10 years to all the different conferences and she has them all kind of like lined up in her office. And she's like, this, this is, this is what we do. This is how we do it. And I'm hoping at some point, um, when they get ours from this year and it's the virtual piece and they, they put it into their thing and it's different, right? It's, it's not the same old name tag. It's not the same old name tag with the, with the barcode or the QR code on it. Yeah. It's something like, Hey, we put the, the the QR code on the back of your shirt. That's cool, and they're wearing it, right? I'm I'm really hoping that like next year when in person events start coming, they're wearing the shirts that we gave out. They're wearing because again, now now what does that do? That's just free branding. That's just free marketing. Oh, yeah. These people are walking the floors, so it's it's looking at it. You know, again, we we kind of talk short term, long term. So it's doing something different in the short term to get them excited because we know in the long term. Um, we're going to build brand advocates by doing some of this stuff. And, and if I could get somebody to wear my t-shirt for free at an event that has a thousand people, that's, that's just, uh, you know, a, a free worker, if you will. So, right now, 
maybe you don't have a brilliant idea for this yet, but I'm just going to propose a question. Um, when I think about like the banter that goes into like the networking at an event, how do you replace that? Because I, it's so easy to like talk over people and then nobody gets heard and all that other jazz on a zoom call. It's really hard to have some of that like natural because I feel like some, like someone's always waiting for someone else to stop talking. How how do you move past that? How do you make that happen on a, a hybrid or online online event? So that, that it's a great question because that's the big the big miss right now, right? It's like okay, I can I can get a, a Zoom call with a hundred people and ninety nine ninety nine of them are going to say nothing, right? Because there's that one person that dominates the room, or or maybe I dominate the room. I don't know. Maybe maybe I have a problem as well. Um, <laughs> but it's a great question. So one of the things that we are are looking to do is um, so within our events in our, our virtual events that we have going on is we we have a, a the ability for you to do a one off one on one. Okay. Um, so again, we'll have to talk in in a couple months again and, and see how that actually went and how it actually worked and if anybody took us up on it. Um, but what we want to do is we want to at least promote it and say, Hey, if you'd like to have that one-on-one conversation with your sales rep or whatever the case is, it's kind of like when you come into, um, the event and you go into the big booth and then like in the back of it, they have the the table set up. So that way you can have the one-on-one conversations. That's kind of what we're trying to get to. Um, again, you know, hopefully it's something like, Hey, here's the link, schedule your time. We'll have the people ready to go to, to jump on that zoom call, you know, that break breakout room, if you will. Um, but it's there. The, the opportunity is there to have the one-on-one, get your questions answered, um, learn more about the product, um, and then gives our sales opportunity, you know, to actually have a, the sales conversation, kind of push them down down the path. So, right. Um, logistically, it's tough. Um, I'll be, be I'm, I'm trying to figure out logistically how do you do that and how do you build that something that is going to actually just like work. Um, because it's not as easy as as hey we we have this table let's just go over here it's not that easy it's you have to actually do something to get there so um, TBD on it but that's that's kind of what we're looking at because that's so valuable those one on one conversations that you have at the events those are the things that actually make sales and actually push things down the road so well I think what might uh, you know maybe it's just a couple of things right it could be interface because what we're kind of talking about is how do you navigate smoothly between the one-on-one conversations, the group conversations, the presentations, uh, the kind of the natural surprise of, you know, you walk up to a booth and someone's standing there and maybe you didn't want to talk to them specifically, but a a conversation kind of happens naturally. All those things are, are really tough. And it makes me think about VR Mm-hmm. you know, live streaming VR of what yep. that might look like to have that in an event where someone builds a virtual space and then has some of those things. Like maybe it's like a miss, you know, mix of like, maybe there's avatars, maybe there's not, but then you can like, like virtually walk up to the people and then have like at least an audio conversation. It doesn't necessarily have to be video and just some of those like random things where like there's a virtual booth and you virtually walk up to it and some of those things. And so I feel like maybe there's just like a little bit of a disconnect right now, just with like interface and technology to be able to manage some of those things, because it seems like conceptually that's the next thing, but I don't know practically what's why that isn't being done right now, or maybe it is. And I just don't know about it. 
So, so that's so, it's so funny that you brought that up um, because that is something that I've, I've, I've been researching. Like how did, so the two weeks ago, three weeks ago, my, my daughter um, at school, they had this like fundraiser and one of the, um, the, the prizes that you got was these like really cheap VR goggles, super mm-hmm. cheap, right? You know, you put your phone into it as they probably cost five bucks. I don't know. Um, super flimsy, whatever the case is, right? So I'm, I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, these are kind of cool. So I think I'm the only one that's used them, right? I went and put my phone in and it was like, oh, how does this work? And there's no really no content that you can use unless you want to spend like 20 bucks on this VR pack on your iPhone. Right. I'm, like, no, I'm not going to do that. But um, to your point, like I started thinking about it, like, okay, how, how can you use these in an event? How could you send these, these $5 goggles to everybody, right? Because I think one of the problems that you have right now is nobody has them, right? Or the people that do right. have them have the you know the Oculus super expensive ones, and they're doing it to watch movies or um, you know play games, or whatever. And it's like, well, that doesn't really work for everybody, right? Yeah. Um, but how do you get these cheap ones? Send them out, and then say, hey, this is how you log in. So I don't know if there's a platform out there. If not, we need to create one um, like now, um, <laughs> put something out there, but then you have your booths um, and everybody's working. You got, I don't, I don't know how VR works to be honest with you. I think it's like this like black box and I think it's really cool, but it would be a perfect opportunity for like these virtual conferences. Cause now you get that in-person feeling. And again, then you mail out the, the stuff in, with the VR goggles. You have all your, your, your pamphlets, you have your swag, you have all your things and you have the interaction with people. Um, maybe it's the same, maybe it's not, you know, but, um, but then you probably get a bunch of people like walking into walls and they're in their home office and, you know, getting hurt and, you know, I don't know, but it is that what it's funny that you say that. Cause that's one of the things I'm like, huh, if the school can do it, if the school can give these out, why can't a fortune 500 fortune hundred and, and put something together and figure it out. Right. Well, I definitely been looking like even because of the fact that my connection with the wedding industry, obviously like live streaming that has been huge. And then of course, like logically the next step is like, okay, well like how can we make this more interesting? So then looking into like the 360 cameras and, um, and so, yeah, there are, so like you can do like 360 VRs and, and all those other things. So it'd be interesting to see if I can like sit, you know, sit down one day and kind of like piece some of these things together uh, because that would be that'd be uh, pretty pretty interesting, I think, uh, I think so. and, and and really that like works well into the hybrid model where um, you know you could have a, a low impact event, you know, health wise, uh, but then have all these cameras set up, and then of course that begs the interface question again. Well, how do you transition from this three hundred and sixty camera to that three hundred and sixty camera, and then you know how yeah. smooth is that? Uh, is there a platform that can even do that? Uh, but that certainly is interesting. And then if there was a clever way of doing VR where you didn't look like a Lego character, that would be kind of <laughs> neat. Um, but I think some of that stuff's around the corner, but I don't I know so. how many people are playing around with it. So it'd be interesting to see. So for the people well, listening, if you know about it, send it to us so we can look at it. Um, we will definitely look at cool. it. Uh, as we plan out events, that is what we're looking to do. So how do we do it differently? Absolutely. So what would you say, so I guess that really answers the question, what are you guys doing right now that's new and different? Um, but maybe I can switch this a little bit differently, a little bit less about uh, where you're at now. What else do you see going on, maybe even outside of the event space that you think 
is an interesting thing for someone who's looking to stand out in their business to explore? So um, the, the biggest thing that I see like within the marketing world um, is, is, is creativity, right? And we kind of talked about it a little bit more, um, you know, and, and we have a lot of, we have two kind of different schools of thought in my opinion, right? We have this kind of like tactical, um, you know, ROI driven, uh, metrics driven marketing. And then we also have branding, right? And then we have branding and, and the brand guys are going to fight with the, the tactical marketing guys because brand doesn't um, have a, a, a true number to it, but it's, it's what drives everything versus the tactical, you know, oh, I can, I can say I got this, came through this pipeline and generated this much revenue. And, you know, um, so you kind of have that, that mix. So I, I think down the road, what you're really gonna start seeing, um, and depending on how long this, this, this comes together, I think you're going to start seeing these brand people um, and these mark and these these metrics, um, tactical marketing people coming together, and I think what that's going to do, um, I, I think there's going to be this this renaissance of direct mail. Um, and direct mail is not going to be it's not going to be the uh, what's it called the, the clipper right you you come together and you get you know 45 local businesses that that say okay i'll give you my hundred dollars well we're gonna put this thing together i'm gonna get my ad in there and you send it out to a zip code i, I don't think that's what it's going to be but i think there's going to be this this direct mail um kind of you know come back and but it's going to take creativity it's going to take both of them coming together and saying okay here's how we drive brand here's how we drive metrics Here's how we use something that's not being utilized right now, because I think we're going to start seeing like email, email fatigue. Like I get, you know, 150, 200, 300 emails a day. And um, I, I can continue to see this thing ramping up like, hey, can I get 15 minutes with you? No, you can't. I don't even know who you are. <laughs> but if you sent me something, if you took the time to kind of got to know me and sent me something of value, um, in my previous world, in my agency, we used to do these things called executive door openers. Right? The executive door opener was a, a kind of what we talked about with the events, but at a bigger scale. Right? We'd go in and we'd find out, okay, this is the CEO of this company. We want to have a conversation with them or chief marketing officer or chief IT, you know, whoever the right, the right person is. We put these, these boxes together. I remember we did this one for um, private jet companies. Right. And what we did is we got um, some Ray-Ban sunglasses and we put their name on the inside of it, right? So super, super personalized. We put, you know, some of our marketing stuff in there, some of like what we were doing for the client, kind of, you know, our, our, our sales material. Um, and then we put in a, a coupon for a bomber jacket, right? So if they call back, they get the bomber jacket. So we, we, we're already going like 250 into this um but the success rate was like 25 percent callbacks right so 25 percent callbacks on that and we're talking probably ten thousand a year in potential revenue per customer you know, lifetime value right. we're probably talking 50 to 100 right so super super worth it but i think you're going to start seeing some of that kind of stuff come back and again it comes back to being creative um one the brand people going and saying hey we need to build this brand and here's how we build a brand it's going to cost money right and then the metrics driven people saying, okay, well, here's how we capitalize on it. And here's how we actually make, make this thing pay out. I think you're going to have that come together. And, and again, I think it's going to be through direct mail. Um, could be completely wrong. Um, we'll, you know, time will tell, but I think that's a channel that's super underutilized, um, especially in the B2B world. 
Well, brand is what gives the marketing its credibility, right? Yep. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, well, I think what I'm hearing you, even if you're wrong about direct mail, and I have no theories against or for it, but I think what I'm hearing is an, a reemergence of um, personalizing just in general, right? So we have this, we're in a world right now where we can reach just an absurd amount of people, but it's not personal at all. No. You know, and, and and sure, you could drop in uh, little, you know, tokens or whatever they're called in emails that, you know, enter first name, blah, blah, blah. And those things are cool and those are nice. And I can usually tell when that's the case, but I also like it better than just like, hey, you. Um, but you know what I mean? But it's still not personal. And I think being able to be personal at scale uh, would be an interesting uh, concept of like, as the creativity and marketing and technology develop, you know, how do you personalize a direct mailer or, you know, just, or simply just do the hard work like you were doing? Like, Hey, these clients make us a lot of money. Will we spend $250 to make a hundred thousand dollars? Absolutely. Um, that that's a pretty good, uh, percentage return. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I think, yeah, that's what I'm hearing from you is just this idea of like making it more and more personal yep. because of the fact that, it actually makes it more and more valuable to be personal, not only because it was already valuable, but because of the fact that so people, so few people are doing that. People are trying to reach a million people, not a hundred people really well. Nope. So the other thing that, um, so one of the other things that I do for, for my clothing brand um, is I do personalized thank you notes, right? So again, that's not scalable. I'm one person and I have terrible handwriting. So I don't even know if people, when they get it, they can actually read it. Um, but I think that, so the, <laughs> the point is, is like, there, there's this whole consumer experience. There's, there's customer experience that needs to kind of be looked at. And I think a lot of times too, what companies end up doing is they look at this front end marketing, right. And, and we kind of do it, um, you know, and I've seen tons of companies that are like front end, front end, um, demand driven lead gen, right? You see all these like job postings out there that are demand generation marketing, you know, growth marketing, all these types of things, which, which are needed. Don't, don't get me wrong. They're all completely needed, but I rarely see like a job description around the um, customer experience, right? And whenever we talk about customer experience, um, we're always talking about that person that, that the customer service agent, right? And um, my biggest, I don't know, I, want, I don't want to say gripe with that is I feel that the customer experience, if, if, it's, if it's led by marketing or if it's led by a, somebody that understands revenue or it's a revenue bucket, we're going to do it differently. And I, I really feel that, again, you know, I go and I, I have these little, um, I'll show them to you, right? Like these little uh, thank you cards that I- Ooh, those I, are beautiful. Beautiful. Look at those. They have a pineapple. Is that gold gilded? Yeah. That That's all that. kinds of fancy. I love that. All kinds of fancy. And it's just blank, right? It's blank on the inside. And I kind of go through here. I put a, right. some, a business card. I put the coupon codes, whatever the case is in there. Ship out the, the t-shirts. But again, it's kind of going to that next level for a $18 t-shirt. Somebody's handwriting something saying thank you for, for purchasing something. Why can't we do that at scale? And why, how can we do that and build that customer experience? Um, because what ends up happening, I have by sending these out, 95% of people that I've sent something out to purchase again. And so, and, and I've had people contact me and say, 
the only reason I'm buying this again is because you're the only person that's ever handwritten something. You're the only person that's ever, ever gone to this point. So it builds brain advocates. They share stuff on social media, they, they, which then gets that demand generation going again, right? So you see things on social media, you'll push it back, but it's, it's taking customer experience with a marketing lens and getting create, creative about it. There's not nothing really creative about a, a, a thank you card. But the, the tactic to get there is something that, I, I don't know, I, I feel like more companies should be kind of investing in that. Like, how cool would it be if you bought something and the CEO said, hey, thank you, right? It would be very cool because it's never happened. Because it's never happened, right? So, um, and I even go one step further. I say, thank you, blah, 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 blah. I'm really glad you bought this. But then I kind of tell them like what our mission is. Like, this is what we're trying to do. We're not just selling clothes. Um, so one of the things that I, I do with my, my clothing companies, we donate 51% of our profits uh, to charities. And I kind of tell them that, like, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to do better and become something that is big, that is, but is giving back, right? And and I think that messaging, yeah, you can put it up on your website and you can put it up on social media and people kind of just like gloss over it. But they read they read the thank you card. And they're like, okay, this guy's sincere. This is really what we're trying to do. We're really trying to, to reach more people. So I think that customer experience, I think that customer um, being able to, to actually show the customer that they actually mean something to you. And it's not just good customer service, picking it up or putting a, a chat bot in your, um, on your website that you know, automatically answers questions. Cause I think that's super impersonal, impersonable, but I think being able to actually get that customer experience going. Um, and I am hoping that maybe more customer experience roles roll up through marketing because um, it, it is something that can be super, super um, valuable. That that reminds me of something I love to uh, complain about, which is uh, Starbucks and their freaking <laughs> cups, man. So, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I was in the golden era where the barista would check off the things that you want and would, like, put a little hard or say have a great day or yep. a little smiley face, like something. And at the end of the day, like, it was kind of cool because – Someone like gave a little bit of effort on something and then in the name of efficiency, understandably, but unfortunately, they went to the labels. Yep. I think a lot of that had to do with probably the the call in orders and stuff like that. But still, it was one of those things where something that was very personal and fun and exciting, uh, especially since no one else does that for anything else. You know, it wasn't like anyone like, you know, Subway doesn't write smiley faces on my sandwich wrapper. You know, um, so very few people were doing something personal and then they stopped doing it because they grew and they didn't want to scale that effort or, you know, deal with the inefficiencies of someone checking the wrong thing or something like that to save, you know, the dollar fifty it costs for them to make a coffee. You know, it's just kind of sad. Yep. You know what I mean? And unfortunately, uh, it's small things like that. Like you said, it's literally I'm making a case for the fact that it builds brand loyalty, but you're literally saying that is exactly what it's been doing, which is awesome. And so it's like when I felt like started feeling like a number, I yep. started feeling yep. like maybe maybe I can explore other places for coffee because, you know, at least, you know, and that's part of it, too, is like that relationship. You know what I mean? Like I knew people there and, you know, all that other jazz. So anyway, so I commend you for what you're doing, because not only do I think it's a good business sense, but I mean, like that's part of the joy of working with a smaller company is that you, you're kind of expecting the experience to be more tailored to you. And if you can learn to scale that, if a big business can learn to incorporate that, yes, it costs more money. Yes, it's more work. But at the same time, man, like that's exactly why people pick small businesses over big businesses because they don't want to feel like a number. 
Yep. And, well, and that's it, going to yeah. equal dollars. It, it's not even like doing it at like this huge scale, right? Like, like I, I go through and I have a couple paragraphs, right? I put a couple paragraphs, it takes time, but it could be something as easy as just like, thank you. It could be a, I mean, to be honest with you, if it's a big company like Starbucks or something, and you got something from the CEO that said, thank you, even if it's through the app or through the mail, right? Something that actually had your name on it, it was a coupon, whatever, you know, hey, thanks for being a loyal customer. It's going to go a little bit further than just, Oh, you know what? I'm gonna slap this label on your coffee now because well, that's how we do things. Um, I also think what that does too, um, and you bring up a really good point, is a lot of times people go into like a coffee shop or something because of the experience, and it's because they know the barista, they know the person, um, or they get to know them over time because they go three times a week, four times a week, and then by by me actually checking that box, I'm like, hey, Steve, like Stephen, I know that you want X, Y, Z. You want the normal? I know what it is because I've checked that box on that cup 40 times and I know what you want. But now that if I'm just throwing a label on, I don't know, it's like, hey, what do you want? So it takes that piece out of it too. It takes that personalization, even at that that face-to-face level um, when you're ordering something. So yep. It's true. Customer experience. <sighs> cool, man. Well, hey, uh, I got I gotta wrap it up here. So uh thank you so much for jumping on. I really appreciate it. Um Always refreshing to uh, have someone who's been on both sides of traditional and digital marketing and be able to bridge that gap uh, so that way people don't get too distracted with the shiny red ball of digital marketing and ads um, and realize that there are so many different ways to reach out and make money with customers, to engage with them, to share your mission with them like you said you do. So uh, thank you so much for sharing. And uh, if you could... I don't know how much you promote your stuff on social media. I know you you post here and there, but if you wanted to share some places that people can connect with you and maybe give a little shout out to your uh, Hawaiian t-shirt company, that would be lovely. Sure. Yeah. Anything social media, um, it's Steven and then B-O-E-H-L-E, uh, Bailey. Um, one of the, the beautiful things about having a weird name is I can get, uh, you can go to stevenbailey.com. You can go to Stephen Bailey on Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, whatever you want, right. Twitter, I mean, you can find me um, super, super easy. Just need to know how to spell my last name. Um, so what we're doing with Hawaiian Island Clothing, so HawaiianIslandClothing.com. Um, you know, we try to put out uh, new new designs every month. Um, you know, again, we, we donate 51% of our, our profits right now to help feed uh, children that are not getting fed, especially with coronavirus. One of the things that we know is um, it's not just kids you know in in different countries it's 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 kids right down the street right it's kids that um my kids go to school with people that are not getting fed that don't have enough to eat so um break breaks my heart um to not see kids get get fed so that's one of the things that we've really been trying to do is is promote this so that way we can um you know donate to the charities and and organizations that are helping those kids actually get a meal in their belly so that way they can thrive and that way they can live um so whyanislandclothing.com um again we we cycle through designs all the time we're trying to find the ones that people like um would love to see um anybody go over there and 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 hit me up Stephen bailey anywhere so sweet awesome man thank you appreciate it yep not a problem thanks for having me